As a born-again believer, you have the DNA of Jesus. Be ready to be activated and launched into your identity as kings. Receive impartation to succeed in life. Recover your ordained sphere of influence. Receive strategies to unlock wealth building for your family and advance the kingdom on earth. Be initiated into the lost tribe of kings, rising to reign and rule alongside the King of Kings. Learn more about how you can connect with us by visiting our website, kingsandwealth.com. Again, our website is kingsandwealth.com. Honor is the key to favor and promotion. Keep yourself humble and to honor others. We set ourselves up for failure and rejection with bad attitude. So please cut out the drama, just get th stuff done. Just cut out the drama. I mean, you guys, some of you have been with me for a while. You know, I, I'm, I'm not very patient sometimes and I, you know, I, that's, that's, uh, that's part of another area of the unpolished part of me. So, but the point that I'm trying to say is, just cut it out, get it done. That's what kings need to do, okay? There is a huge weight that comes with stewarding wealth and power. There is a huge responsibility to stewarding wealth and power that is not taught or cautioned enough. This is a huge responsibility. And the way to not fall into pride is to stay humble. It is seductive. There is a seductive voice that comes along when you start seeing your bank account fill up and going higher. There is a tiny whisper that will tell you how great you are, how successful you are, and you will forget that it is God that has blessed the work of your hands. Now, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Genesis 4, 6. God knew beforehand. He knew it. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of brooks, of water, of fountains and spring, a land of olive oil and honey in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has forgiven you. Beware, friends, beware, that you do not forget the Lord your God and your gold and all you have is multiplied. And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He's the one that's taken you from there to here. Deuteronomy 8. He's the one, that's one of my favorite chapters. He's the one that's taken you through your wilderness and into your promised land. And you shall remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth. You. Gives you the power to get wealth. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. I cannot emphasize that enough. I cannot emphasize that enough. You and I, we've got to just...
do a heart check every day, really, every single day. Okay, we need to be checking pride at the door. All right, humility and honor. These are the two sides of the same coin. It, humility is the key to honor, which honor itself, which will pave the way for promotion. Okay, if you honor your bosses, if you honor your colleagues, if you honor your coworkers, if you are able to, be, to, to do that, to see what God has put inside of them, the good of what God has put in them, and honor them for that, in spite of all they have, they've been doing to you, then that's the path to promotion. Humility is key to preventing greed getting a grip on you. It's key to preventing pride to power you instead. It's, you know, people get high on themselves. People literally get high on themselves. All right? If you've been around certain people, you know. You know what I'm saying. But as you and I, if we're going to be embarking on this amazing journey that God has for us, you need to remember where you come from, your origin. Your origin is Jesus. Don't let the enemy derail your destiny by falling into pride. Kings and priests. Now, why am I saying this and I'm flipping it all over the place? Guess what? We say kings and priests so much. Again, you know, we don't pay attention to the things that we say because we've been reading it so often. But let me just break it down a little bit more for you. Kings are also priests, while priests are also kings. 1 Peter 2.9 says, and this is the linchpin verse, this is the, the linchpin verse that you all know, and uh, for, for those of you that have been with Jesus for a while, that have been Christians for some time, you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. You are priests who are kings, and you are kings who are priests. And in Revelations 5.10 says, He, as in Jesus, God, Father, they have made us kings and priests. Now I want to look at one specific king, one example of a king in the Old Testament that for me, he is a very effective king as well as a very effective priest. For me, Hezekiah is the true king and priest. Second Chronicles 30, 17 to 20. Now, because a king is ruling over his people, he has vested interests. He's, he's the sovereign of his people. So when he is praying for his people, it becomes very powerful and very effective. And King Hezekiah, he functioned as an amazing king as well as priest. Now, long story short, let me just read out this part here. They messed up, it was a mess, he inherited his father's kingdom, it was, there was a lot of things that were going wrong. He was 25 years old as he came to the throne. So he got a lot of cleaning up to do, he's got a lot of restructuring when he came onto the throne. And a lot of 
the rules back then in the Old Testament for priests to do this, priests to do that. The, the Old Testament priests, they, they didn't follow, they, they stopped following the rules, they stopped implementing what they were supposed to do. For there were many in the assembly who had not sanctified themselves and they had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them. Now, why is this so important? The, the, all those breaches there, all those infringements that violated all those rules, they haven't sanctified themselves, cleansed themselves. In the Old Testament, the punishment was death for all this stuff. It was very severe that they didn't do what they were supposed to according to their rules and their regulations as priests. So the punishment for them was actually death. So King Hezekiah intervened for them by acting as a priest for the nation and for the priests. Hezekiah prayed saying, may the good Lord provide atonement for everyone who prepares his heart to seek God. Though he's not cleansed, according to the purification of the sanctuary, though he's not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. Now what basically he did, what he did basically was to ask God to forgive the people at that time. Even though they messed up, they didn't take care of themselves, they didn't do the, the right thing, they didn't follow the rules, blah, blah, blah. So he went before God and interceded for his people. And he said, please forgive them. And what did God do? Listen to Hezekiah and he healed the people. Hezekiah had compassion. He was like Christ. He was like Jesus. Just like Christ the King had, comp had compassion for the masses that he was ministering to, that he was healing. Hezekiah was insightful. He had revelation that it is about the grace and mercy that God has for people in general. And Hezekiah was able to operate in a priestly prophetic function. He wasn't just the king, he was the priest, and he was also the prophet. And that made him to be very in tune with God's heart. He interceded for the people to provide atonement so that they can be saved and so that they can be healed. And he stepped into a vacuum. There was a leadership vacuum from the priest side. And he stepped up to it. Now, that's what the Bible says. What is the relevance of that? I just wanted to let you know that if you are a CEO or if, if you're a business owner, if you are a depa department head or you're a team leader, whatever that you are in your capacity or you are trying to work yourself to that, or you could be, and I know one of my friends here, my co-teacher last year, he, you know, he's a politician, um, you could be wanting to aim for political office. Now, if your journey is to be a king, can you imagine how powerful it is if you start praying for your team, if you start praying for your business, if you start praying for your employees, if you start operating in the priest function, even though you are the king. You don't just rule, you don't just reign. You're also acting as the priest for your people. For me, I think that's just amazing. Now, let me just give you another example just to stretch a little bit. And I know for a fact, 
I mean, I don't know him personally, but I believe, I believe President Trump also prays for the nation of America. I believe Angela Merkel, that's the chancellor here, Chancellor Merkel, Angela Merkel, I think he, she has also professed her Christian faith. Maybe in her way, she's also prayed for Germany. And if they would take the time to really seek God, you know, that, would be so, that is so powerful for these nations. And, and the same goes for many other politicians in the world. If they get that revelation, that they will pray for the people that they rule, my gosh, that would be, there'll be so much potential and so much power that can be unleashed. Now, coming back to priests. I don't know how many of you out there today, you know, those that have signed up, I don't know if you do ministry as a vocation with, or part-time, I don't know. For me, this is a call. I mean, I don't do this to make my living. This is not the way I make my money. But this is a call for me. And I'm responding to God's call to do ministry work. I love it, but you know, it's not how, it's not my vocation. Um, pastors out there, if you manage to get hold of this message or later on if you buy my book, ministers out there, if you do full-time, full-time church work, I want you to know that you have also been created to be kings because this is in the word. I don't believe it's okay to leave, <laughs> and this is going to come across, well, but it's me. I honestly don't think it's okay to think, okay, let's just leave it to the congregation to deliver the tithe and the offering to bring in the provision because that's their job. But you know what? If you're a priest, you're also a king. If you're a pastor, God has put that same DNA in you as in, inside of me. So you have that potential to develop those parts of your character, those, part, those other talents, to create multiple streams of income. Just imagine if you also have the ability to bring in money without being dependent on other people. Imagine that potential. Imagine that freedom. Who is financing all this? Look at this. This is like a professional TV studio. I don't need to ask anybody for money. I've been doing ministry the last 10, 12 years now. We've been financing our own ministry activities. And you know the kind of freedom that we have. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And later on, I'm going to introduce you to another very powerful king and priest. You know, he's also tapped into the same thing. We have, we have understood what it's like to tap into heaven's economy. We are not dependent on fundraising or waiting on people to give us money. No. I give people the opportunity to sow in my life because I've tapped into that anointing. But... Because I'm a king, I'm a priest, but because I'm a king, I can finance my own ministry activity. I'm a king, but I'm also a priest, and therefore I'm doing this. I'm teaching about kings and priests and 
doing this call. So I just want you to, to think about it for a moment. Instead of praying, asking God to, to send provision your way, what if you also have that same ability to work your hands and he's going to bless them and bring provision in? And guess what? You do have that ability because if you're a priest, you're also a king. No need to beg, no need to plead, no need to fundraise. You want to give? Give. Don't give? That's fine. So priests, I'm sorry if you're offended, but guess what? Jesus is trying to throw you your crown. He's trying to give you your crown. Don't dodge it. It's not a grenade. I know some of you think it's kind of funny, but a lot of people do not feel like they can pick up that crown that's meant for them. It's a crown. It's not a grenade. Now, what do kings do? Kings take territory for God. Why? Because I talked about a mandate, right? The core mandate. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over everything on the earth. Now, we keep hearing it, but really is a very big assignment. Yeah, I, I know it's hard for our minds to comprehend the, the dimensions of it because it's so big. It's so big, okay? And guess what? Let me use another parable that Jesus talked about in Matthew 13. I've been so impacted by this. And it's like, it's like my mind just keeps traveling the path of the yeast, okay? Jesus said, Jesus said, that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. And what's yeast? Yeast works its way leaven. It works itself in the dough, right? It transforms dough to bread. And the yeast never stops. It will just keep going into every part of, of dough. I'm not a baker, but at least I get the concept, right? So the dough just travels, I'm sorry, the yeast just travels within the dough into every part of it until it reaches every part of the dough. Now, you and I, if we are arbiters of the kingdom, kings, arbiters of the kingdom, we are to infiltrate the world with God's influence. I know it sounds so, oh my gosh, sub, this is like subversion, this is like revolutionary. It is! I'm not going to dilute it. That's your job. That's your role. You are yeast. You are God's yeast. You are heaven's yeast. Okay, you have to infiltrate the world. with God's influence. Did you hear me? You are the one that is to conduct, that is to be that conduit, that is to be that, that yeast to, brings, to bring God's influence into the world. And therefore, you are unstoppable. You are unstoppable. You are supposed to be working your way through every part of society until that dough becomes bread. Taking territory means winning territory for God, subdue, dominate. Now, I know it sounds, these words sound big. Remember, we, we went through that, right? We're going to go further into that. But yes, it is big. It's a big assignment. That's why I'm taking you through this course seven hours. 
because you need to change the way you think. You can't be taking on the world with an old mindset, with an old way of thinking. There's just no way. Okay, this is total new wineskin teaching, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. But you need to think in a new way. You need to have a new mindset. You need to have new standards. Now, three things that are very key. I've already kind of touched on a little bit. You need to be strategy-seeking at all times. The mindset of a successful king, you need to be seeking out a strategy at all times. And you need to be seeking out God in your time with him, in your relationship with him. Seek him for strategy. And secondly, that's a forceful mindset. We're going to go into that. And thirdly, that's a winning mindset. So strategy, force, and to have a winning mindset. Case study here, King David. I know a lot of you love King David. Uh, you know, David, Goliath, maybe some of you have heard of it. You know, some of you maybe not, but it's okay. Let's just go look at David from different angles. David always sought the Lord for strategy. Now, 1 Samuel 38 to 9, I'm going to bring you back to scripture again. David had an overwhelming victory at this place called Ziklag over the enemies called Amalekites. He asked the Lord before he started, he said, shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake them? And what did God answer him? God said to him, pursue, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them without fail and recover them all. And David, once he heard God's command, once he heard God's strategy, he just did it. He just did it. Now, another one that really impressed me, another passage where he asked the Lord for strategy is in 2 Samuel 5, 23 to 24. 5, 23 to 24. Now, I want to just pull that out because it's so important. I don't know if you have your Bibles with you. I hope you have your Bibles with you. Let me just pull that out. Second Samuel chapter five. Twenty three to twenty four. Okay, I'm gonna resist taking out my old people glasses. I can read this. <laughs> okay. 23 to 24, David inquired of the Lord. Again, before he embarked on a, on a battle, he asked the Lord, what am I going to do with the Philistines? And then God, God told him, okay, the Lord told him very clearly, you shall not go up, circle around behind them, and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it, it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. I know all these words, some of these words, I know for some of you, it's just like, phew, what? Okay, let's do this again. You shall not go up, circle around them, 
circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. You know, a lot of times when I read stuff like that, um, in the past I was like, what, Lord? Oh my gosh, what? I don't know what you're trying to say. Man, this is like boring. Gosh, you know, what is this that you're trying to say? But you know what? This time around, when he showed me this passage, bam! He gave David the key, the key strategy to defeat the, the Philistines. He taught David how to capture the enemy, the enemy with the element of surprise, how to defeat the enemy with the element of surprise. Now, if some of you have heard of Sun Tzu, the art of war, the way God gave David instructions would have put fans of Sun Tzu to shame. And it was a crushing defeat, a crushing defeat that David delivered to the Philistines because he followed God's strategy to the nine. This is a war strategy. This is a battle strategy. And I'm saying, wow, you need to be really be close to the Lord because you know what? He has got so much strategy for you to win in life. You need to keep your ears close to the ground that God is walking on. You need to be keeping yourself real close like the way David did. And to be very specific because God's going to give you very specific strategies how to do well. And recently I, and some of you already know, I uh, talk about it as well. I'm, 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 a, I'm a bit of a series junkie. I'm a series junkie. I've got, I, I buy the stock of Netflix and I made a lot of money with Netflix as well. But the point is, I do enjoy Netflix. And crazy enough, yes, God does speak to me through some of these programs. I don't care what you think. It's not my problem. But I can tell you, I know, if he can speak to, through donkeys, he can speak through net Netflix shows as well. And recently, there's this show called Queen of Gambit. It's about a young woman who is a genius master, chess master. But her journey of becoming that chess master and becoming the champion of the world was just incredible. And what I picked out of that when I'm watching this, I was just, I was completely, wow. You know, what I saw with a lot of these chess players, there's just nonstop strategizing. Is always anticipating what's the next step, what's the next step, you know, and several steps before, and having all these different scenarios played out in their heads. Yet they're very gifted. That's what God has given them, that kind of brain to figure out all the different steps, the different scenarios, which is the permutation, which is the combination of steps that's going to get them to win and um, defeat the, the, their opponent. But the point that I'm making is strategy is key. I'm saying you need, we have, we, you and I, we have the Holy Spirit. And we can ask the Holy Spirit for strategy before you make a big move, especially a big move. Okay, but I would say keep him involved in everything. Now, the next mindset that's really important, forceful mindset. I remember the first time I read this verse in Matthew eleven twelve, 12. 
Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence shall take it by force. What? I did not get it at all. I'm like, why is Jesus talking so much violence? You know, I thought Jesus was all supposed to be lovey-dovey, peace, blah, blah, blah. Why was he saying stuff like that? I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, maybe I'm the only one that's dumb in this room, I, whatever. But, you know, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence shall take it by force. And I looked up the word violence in Greek. It means positive aggressiveness. Now, when I started putting a few of these verses together, I started reading all these verses together. Is what, when you start learning the Bible, going deep into the Bible, you will realize that the Bible has the ability to interpret itself, which means if you put one verse next to each other, then it's all kind of makes sense. It's like different puzzle pieces being put together. And then Matthew 13, 33 says that, you know, you and I, we represent the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is east. And what does east do? It just keeps going forward, right? And then Genesis 1.28 says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Again, very violent language, like I told you before. Subdue, kabash, bondage, subjugate. Oh my gosh, all these words so politically incorrect. Whatever, you know, but <laughs> it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Yeah, dominion. Radar, prevail against, reign, rule, bondage. Violent words. They are violent words. But you know what? This is what's required to be kings. In order to defeat the enemy, battle, remember that battlefield? Where the kings were fighting, lots of blood. You need to have a forceful mindset. You need to be focused and you need to be forceful because for too long, far too long, you and I, believers all over the world, we have been passive. We have been passive. Are you hearing me? We have been passive. We have allowed the enemy to do whatever he wants with us. Ride roughshod over us. That's got to stop. That has got to stop. Because guess what? The violence shall take it by force. The violence shall take the territory by force. You're not going to be able to advance the kingdom if you have a passive attitude. If you let people tell you what, what they think of you and then let them decide your next steps. Instead of tuning in to what God says about you in his word and who you are. Now I'm saying, and look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. This is, this is so great. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, yeah, you know, I mean, when I'm talking about all this violence, we're not talking about physical violence. We're talking about Violence as an analogy, as a metaphor, as well as a spiritual, a spiritual war is actually happening in the spiritual dimension. And on the other hand, if you think about the business place, the marketplace, to succeed in business, it is war. It is war. To do well in business, you gotta win. I got to beat out my competitor to get that property that I want. 
or I gotta, how would I put it? I gotta, I gotta do my best to get the best price so that I sell it at a profit. And I'm trying to beat the stock market every day. There's war involved. Set your mind to be forceful, to be active, to be intentional with every decision, always moving forward. That requires a lot of force, I'm telling you. Always moving forward. Don't be passive anymore. Don't drift. Let me say that again. Don't drift. Don't let others write your story. I love the way Stephen Covey, he wrote the, um, what is it, the seven effective habits of, uh, uh, what, I can't remember right now, but and Stephen Covey, he's, I think, most effective people, seven habits of the most effective people or something. I mean, you know, presidents have read that book, very, very famous book. Awesome, and, appara and apparently he's also a Christian. I remember reading the book and that, oh my gosh, he's making a lot of Christian references in his book, you know. So Stephen Covey, Covey he said it in a really beautiful way. He says, do not let others write your story. Do not let others write your story. God has got your story written in heaven. You should be listening to him and being forceful and flip things around. Now, David was a violent person. One last comment. David was a violent person. By today's standards, politically incorrect. And yet, he was the man after God's heart. And he did God's will. You can look up that, that scripture later, Acts 13, 22. But that's how God defined him. Are you struggling with knowing your purpose and higher calling in life? Did you know God wants you to be a strategic and powerful leader on this earth and to build wealth for the kingdom? Multimillionaire global investor Yi Schmidt wants to help you become all this and more. In this book, you will be activated in your identity as kings. Learn to boldly battle, succeed in life, and recover your ordained sphere of influence. Learn powerful keys to unlock wealth building for your family and God's kingdom. Be initiated into the lost tribe of kings, rising to reign and rule alongside Jesus, the King of Kings. This book will propel you to flourish in life and attain generational wealth. Are you ready?